0: Welcome
1: ladies and gentlemen to the first episode of Roundabout Sports. I am the maestro from the Wrestle Talk podcast, Jeremy Carp. I am the proprietor, the founder and the managing director of Interstate 70 Sports Media. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is an absolute blast to have you all aboard and tuning in. Tonight, for our very first episode, we got Adam Frex of Talking Dynasty, which is one of the flagship shows of Interstate 70 Sports Media, and we also have James Knox, a veteran umpire of nearly 30 years. As things in Major League Baseball rage on, James has a lot he's going to want to talk to us about. So be sure to stay
2: tuned. And we will be right back.
1: All right, folks, we got a couple things, uh, pieces of breaking news coming in. Uh, The first one is that in the St. Louis Blues management, I should say, head coach Craig Berube, known as Chief, has signed an extension that will keep him on through the 2024-2025 season. Berube is, of course, the man behind helping the Blues bring home their only Stanley Cup in 2019. Bruby was very excited he- hearing about that he will be re-signing with the team on this extension. And welcome! Thanks, Evan, for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it, my friend. Evan, a longtime listener of not just the content you'll find on Interstate 70 Sports Media, but you'll also find on the WrestleTalk podcast every Tuesday night. Once again, only on StreamYard. We do also, unfortunately, do have some sad news to pass along um long-time baseball player jeremy giambi tragically passed away today this morning at the age of 47 um he had passed away in his parents home no details yet about how he passed away but for six seasons giambi hit 52 home runs and was a big part of the oakland athletics during their Moneyball years and he is the younger brother or was the younger brother of Um, legendary MLB baseball player, Jason Giambi. So, our deepest condolences do go out to him at this time, to the family and friends of Jeremy Giambi. Once again, he had passed away at the age of just 47 years old. Also in the news, the NFL is coming to Germany. That's right, I... It blows my mind. I don't know how. I don't know why. The NFL has announced that they are going to host its first ever regular season game in Munich, Germany during the 2022 season. Frankfurt, Germany is also going to be hosting games as well. Quite the, uh, quite the interesting thing. I must say so myself. I mean, but the thing of it is the NFL should focus more on, you know, how do I put it? I don't know. Getting St. Louis a damn football team. Are you serious right now? You're going to give Germany... I know it's not a football team. It's just a football game, but... Oh, my God. Okay. Composure. It's just the first episode. I mean, it's only been, you know, like 20 years since the NFL actually started giving a shit about St. Louis football. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. Nevertheless. Also, folks, we are on the verge of WrestleMania season. Um... So, yeah, how about that? WrestleMania 38 will be a two-night event once again. It's always known for being a two-night event. Usually it's been a one-night event, but it will be on Sunday, April 3rd, and I should say starting on April 2nd and then continuing into April 3rd at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas or Arlington at Jerry's World. This will be the fourth WrestleMania to be held in Texas after WrestleMania 17, 25, and 32. And I am excited for that one as a longtime wrestling fan myself. I think it's going to be one hell of a show. And also, we're going to be getting into it in just a few minutes, folks. Super Bowl Sunday is just mere days away. And it's going to be the Los Angeles Rams. I know, insert the booze here for those in St. Louis that don't want it. And the underdog Cincinnati Bengals, who honestly are not as much underdogs as you could possibly think. I know a lot of people may say so. Well, you know what? Maybe I'm not the only one who should be talking about this. After all, I mean, they did beat... The Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. And I know he's pissed off that I just said that. But, ladies and gentlemen, this guy is one of the most trusted men in the Kansas City market. He is the proprietor and the man behind the magic that is Talking Dynasty. It is my pleasure to have on as the first guest of Roundabout Sports, the one, the only, Adam Frex. Oh, what's going on, brother? You start off with just breaking my heart already.
2: That's the first thing I hear.
1: I know, man. It's a lot of heartbreak, a lot of pain, unfortunately, to kick off the show. But you know what? That means we got nowhere to go but up in positivity. And, folks, remember, you can find us. You can find Talking Dynasty on Facebook and Twitter, as well as you can find Roundabout Sports on Facebook and I-70 Sports Media on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. I mean, we are expanding this year. Ain't that right, Adam? Absolutely, man. We're about to take it to the moon. Amen to that. So how are you doing today? Oh, man, I couldn't be any better. I love to hear it. So, as I said, the Super Bowl is this Sunday. First off, can you believe it? I mean, even for an 18-game season, the su- the season just went by like that.
2: No, it really did, man, just how quickly it felt like it got to the playoffs and how we just zoomed through the playoffs to already be in the uh, Super Bowl And after watching that catastrophe of a football game called the Pro Bowl last week, you know, they first.
1: Yeah, we can get to that actually first. So the NFL says they're going to consider changes to the Pro Bowl. Okay, because this was the smallest viewership for the Pro Bowl in over 15 years. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my question. What could you possibly make? What changes are there that can actually be done? for the pro bowl to make it any more entertaining. They've already, because already you have star players that do not want to get hurt in this game. So they kind of just dial dial down the intensity of it. Then they do it to where instead of it being AFC versus NFC, you have fantasy teams getting picked by legend. And I don't know what more they can do with the pro bowl. Honestly, it's the least popular of the, of the uh, pro games in the major sports
2: well with the you know i I didn't watch much of it uh, I was walking through uh I believe my, my old man my pops was watching it and I I, I checked and looked over and I, I seen a running play and I was like holy holy hell they're playing two hand touch so you can start with get back to tackling um i mean that that's i mean there's not much you're going to be able to do you're not going to have the intensity of a actual football game the other games have um, a little more juice to them because it kind of sets off that uh second part of the season where the season really starts with hockey basketball and baseball right star game that's kind of whenever the season starts to kick into full gear so i don't think you'll ever be anything to do
1: yeah, I honestly don't think so. And don't get me wrong. I think that being named to the Pro Bowl is an honor on out of itself. I mean, come on. You hear like somebody like Tom Brady, a 16-time Pro Bowler. Like, that right there just showcases one of the many legendary things. But then you got guys like Joe Thomas who made 11 straight Pro Bowls, you know? And you have guys who are maybe 24 years old who have already made a Pro Bowl every season of their career. So it's, it's an honor. But – it's just the game itself is very lackluster.
2: Yeah, it's it's, it's just not interesting. There, there's nothing there. It's the only reason you'll watch it just because it's for football for the namesake. But there's really, honestly, there's no reason to watch it anymore. So,
1: Yeah, and although I'm just going to say it, and of course, this is my bias. For those that don't know, I'm a Cleveland Brown fan. Seeing Miles Garrett get a pick six was actually pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are, like, cool little highlights to it, seeing Mac Jones run all the way down the field. From oh, that- I loved it. <laughs> so there, there is things there that make it entertaining, but you just got to take it for what it's worth.
1: Right. Now, speaking of taking it for what it's worth, where do you feel? Now, we all know about the heartbreak of the Kansas City Chiefs after their the heartbreaking AFC Championship loss you know they go into halftime up 21 to 10 should have been at the very least 24 to 10 For at sure. bare minimum where do the chiefs stand knowing that their hopes of going to a third straight super bowl were in their hands and they lost it it's not so much that the bengals like what's what's not take away from the bengals they are a great young team probably the, one of the best wide receiver groups in the entire NFL. Sure. Like Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey, the Super Bowl is going to be a fantastic matchup to see. That said,
2: when you're up 21 to 10, you got to win the football game. No, absolutely. So I, I think what it is, Chiefs got a little too cute. We got past happy in the second half. We wasn't running the ball like we did in the first half. Uh, a lot of our, uh, what was opening what Patrick Mahomes was doing was based on how well we was running the ball with McKinnon. And we, we started off the first two drives in the second half not running the ball at all and You get, a, you know, a couple three and outs. And then, you know, Cincinnati already had the momentum on their side, scoring that late touchdown in the first half off that screen, stopping us from getting any points. And then, you know, it was just uh, big mo momentum was on their side after that.
1: No, I absolutely agree. I mean, and Mahomes just seemed completely off. That might have been the most off I've seen Mahomes, especially in the playoffs in his entire career. He just made the throw. Now, this is what I do love about Mahomes. He will never give up. He will always do his best to make something out of nothing. But sometimes... That comes back to bite you. And I think it did more so than ever um this this week or you know on the AFC championship game.
2: It mostly did. That's, he got into that Superman play. And you know, actually I, I think kind of what had worked in the first half with him kinda running around in circles in the pocket was successful because we got a couple of successful plays off of that. Uh, sometimes you think that you can do that again and again and that's kind of what happened on that last drive he thought that he could kind of escape the pocket and figure something out cuz it worked in the first half but ended up it ended up just not working out and i will also argue that's not the worst that i've seen in Mahomes that's probably uh the that's probably the worst of two you know uh um how can I say that? I, I, I've i never seen him in such a, a high level of play and then into such a low level of play, but I would argue that he's had games like that throughout the season where he wasn't as effective as we expected.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I give it to the Chiefs on this. I mean, they started off the season really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, really, I think the issue with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs is, I mean, they're obviously in the elite of the NFL, you know, a team like no other, I think the, in my opinion, the biggest downfall of them is just when they're not communicating with each other. As far as, you know, coming up with schemes and whatnot, you know, you see the deep, I think this was most evident against the bills more so than even the Bengals game. I mean, when you see corners not even communicating who's covering who and guys like Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs are just getting wide open. You know, I think that speaks volumes to finding those holes in the armor of the Chiefs.
2: Well, you know, the thing with that, though, is it's, it's, it's been in through that first seven weeks of the season It's kind of been indicative of what the Chiefs were struggling with. Uh, that's where you get the, that picture of Matthew throwing up his hand uh, as, you know, the tight end Knox is running by Sorensen. So everything that happened in this game, um, the, the first half was a microcosm of the eight game win streak that we went on. And then that second half was a microcosm of the first seven weeks that we were in the game. So it's, it's, it it, it, it was almost like our, our whole season split in two into one game.
1: Honestly, I can totally see that. Cause like I said, they were really struggling in the beginning. Things started to kick up in the high gear. Mahomes was vintage Mahomes, like MVP Mahomes throughout the last 10 weeks of the season, even in the game they lost against Cincinnati in the regular season, he still performed fantastic. It was just Cincinnati had the perfect game strategy. And it's a strategy more teams need to follow if they want to beat the Chiefs. Just keep Mahomes off the field. Wear yeah. down the damn defense. Like It's not that the Chiefs' defense is bad, but who would you, let's put it for th- this example, Adam, who would you rather have on the field for an extended period of time? Patrick Mahomes or Daniel Sorensen? I mean, really?
2: Yeah, that's a sore subject here in Kansas City, man. We don't, we don't, we don't even want Sorensen on the field. Period. So, I was
1: going to say, I remember when he uh, he went helmet to helmet on Rashard Higgins. Everybody loved him in Kansas City. Now they're ready to burn him at the stake.
2: Uh, and people are selective with their memory. So, I mean, that that that's just what it what it is. If you you have the availability to uh you know have one big play they'll forget about the last five plays that you well here's something from
1: good old sunny money mayo somebody who is definitely big on that kc uh wagon he says we should have put in chad henny or signed blake bortles you know okay first off chad henny does, does got them wheels i'm just gonna say he's got them wheels for a 35 year old um honestly but I will ask you this, when it comes to signings this offseason, what do you think is the biggest need for the Kansas City Chiefs? They beefed up the O-line this past offseason. That was the biggest need heading into this year. That was, And they solved that phenomenally. Patrick Mahomes hadn't had that much protection in his entire career. But now that that's taken care of, what do you feel is their biggest need?
2: Uh, It's by far being able to get to a pass rush. We were bottom five and total on sacks for the whole season. So uh, all you have, I mean, we had Ingram come on late there. So uh, Clark has been an utter disappointment other than he had a good five, six uh, game stretch during the Super Bowl year that he, he, he excelled. But other than that, we have no pass rusher other than Chris Jones, and you can't expect your D-tackle to be your number one pass rusher, unless you're Aaron Aaron Donald, and there's only one. In, so.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say, Aaron Donald is, to me, a prototype among any because you can put him at D-tackle or D-end, like or at the edge rush, I should say. You can put him at the edge rush, or you can put him at defensive tackle And he's still going to find a way to get through the offensive linemen, which is brings me up to the Super Bowl this Sunday. Well, before we get to actually here, here's some more um, insight from Sonny, you know, talking about kind of how the Chiefs really struggle to make the fair adjustments. And the Bengals, honestly, to me, when they stopped Tyreek Hill on that last play, which, once again, you were talking about getting too cute and everything. That's exactly what the Chiefs did at the end of the first half. You could have, and I'm not even saying you shouldn't have gone for it. If you wanted to, that's fine. Why are you running a pitch to the outside with Tyreek Hill? I mean, I get it. He's super fast among all the players in the NFL. But if they stop you, you have no timeouts, you're done. So at the very least, you know, maybe throw one pass. And if it doesn't work, you know, worst case scenario, it gets picked off. Next scenario, drop pass incomplete or anything like that. You got enough time, kick the field goal. But to run a pitch on the outside is not the play call you need with the stakes as high as they are.
2: I don't necessarily think that was a play call. I think Tyreek was a decoy on that play. And I think it was either, because uh, I think I heard Andy Reid tell, uh, after halftime, the reporters say that uh, either if it's not in the end zone, throw it out. So I, I think that's more on Patrick Mahomes on bad decision making, you know, putting trust in Tyreek that he can cut that corner. So I just. Right. You
1: know, and I can hide see it that
2: too. 2020.
1: Right. And uh, unfortunately, no matter what happened, it's the reason the Chiefs are not one of the reasons the Chiefs are not playing this Sunday. Now, Heading into the Sunday, okay. You know, I we mentioned Aaron, you had mentioned Aaron Donald at first, and then I kind of delved into him some more. This is where I think the Rams have the big biggest advantage of any of the potential matchups for Cincinnati. Kansas or, you know, we'll take an example here. Kansas City up their offensive line. The Bengals did not. The Bengals up their offensive weapons, which is fine. I mean, it it plays off perfectly. Joe Burrow finally has some guys to throw to, but he has no time to throw to them. And do you honestly think that against Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Greg Gaines, and, you know, even when you send guys in the secondary on a blitz, that you're going to have more time than you did against the Chiefs? Not a chance in hell. There is just no chance. Honestly, I think the defensive line of the Rams are going to destroy the offensive line of the Bengals. What do you think, Adam?
2: No, I think that's a strong possibility. But if if Joe Burrow has showed anything, especially in that Tennessee game, that he has the wherewithal to just work through it. I mean, it's really uh, if they can get the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly, I I think that they have a chance. So, but I mean, I I think that the Rams, considering their line, how well it is, considering how well their defense is, uh, they should be the overwhelming favorite, in my opinion, just based on that.
1: Right. And so I guess that brings up the next question. Who do you honestly, in your opinion, think is going to win Super Bowl
2: 56? man you know there's something special about the Bengals this year i will definitely give them that they have some kind of juice that um they're uh it's like like they've been saying they they they're in a position where they don't know any better and they're just just playing ball but overall i think the rams are a com- more complete team because i i don't think that um you know, the Rams' offense, um, you know, you you take the – I think you're going to take the let, – let's call the Rams' defense and Cincinnati's uh, offense a wash, which I don't necessarily think would be the case, but you got to take Burrow into consideration. Uh, I weigh heavily favored on the Rams' offense over the Cincinnati Bengals' defense. So um, I, I definitely am going to go Rams in the series.
1: And I'm going with the Rams as well. And I've told this to people before. There is a difference between who you want to win and who you think is going to win. For sure. And, I, and I've and i told this to people. I would love nothing more. Even as a Browns fan, I would love nothing more than to see the Bengals win this Super Bowl. Because they've been in it twice before, and they had the misfortune of being up against Joe Montana's 49ers. I mean, that right there is just a recipe for disaster. That's a wrong place, wrong time type thing, you know, being in there. It's kind of like going up against Brady and the Patriots, unless you are uh, Eli Manning. Um, For sure. But the Rams are just a juggernaut when it comes to the elite talent they have. And they finally have one piece that's been missing for a long time, and that's a quarterback, you know. It's not that Jared Goff is bad. I personally like Jared Goff more than a lot of people do. But Jared Goff is not the quarterback to get them to that next level. And Because if he couldn't do it with most of the same players that the team has now, you know, what are you going to do? But Matt Stafford, who I'm a big fan of, and I think if he wins Sunday, he's going to the Hall of Fame. If Matt Stafford wins on Sunday, he will be in the Hall of Fame. because his stats, they, considering 12 of those years were with the Lions, the stats speak for themselves, you know. Look at guys like Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, guys who were elite with Detroit and didn't have a damn thing to show for it as far as accolades for the team go. But Matt Stafford has come to St. or Los Angeles. See, I want to say St. Louis so bad because, <laughs> shit, I miss football out here. But... <laughs> But Stafford goes to Los Angeles. And honestly, if it wasn't for Dak Prescott, I feel like Matt Stafford should have come back player of the year just because he's had such a phenomenal season. And the Bengals are a great young team. I think them being here already from last place last year to first place this year and, and to the Super Bowl shows that they're going to be around a while. But I feel this is just the Rams' year. They went all in. They don't have a first rounder until 2025, so it's it's boomer bust. And I feel like the Rams are really going to lay it on Cincinnati. It's going to be a close game, but I think pressure wise,
2: it's full steam ahead for Los Angeles. So, no, I, I see the same thing. Like you're saying, it's not who you want to win. The only thing I want, who I want to win, is me being entertained. I necessarily don't care who wins either way. Um, I, 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 I love, I love Joey Burrow. Even with what happened, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Huge fan of Stafford. Glad to see he's finally getting the recognition that he deserves. I think he's one of the. Uh, this might sound crazy. Uh, I, I don't think he's a top ten quarterback that I've seen, but I think he's one of the top ten uh, throwers of the ball that I've ever seen. So. Uh, in my opinion he was the first guy that was doing that no look pass before mahomes came around he just doesn't get the recognition he deserves when it comes to stuff like that so now that he's with the rams it would be real cool to see him to kind of get the uh the respect that he deserves like you said to be uh catapulted into that hall of fame uh potential category so th- that would be cool and you know i i, I like you know I like the Bengals too. They're a young team with swagger. And uh, at the end of the day, I hope it's a close game and I'm entertained either way.
1: I hope so as well. Adam, I got one more question for you, honestly, before I'm going to let you go. Um, Because first off, you have been a fantastic guest. I mean, you're a great guy as always. So it's great having you on. Um, But the one final thing I got to ask the NFL in Germany?
2: I haven't heard this what are your thoughts on that one i haven't. I haven't heard it what what's the you
1: have yeah <laughs> so this is get this I mentioned this at the top of the show the NFL has announced that starting next year they will be having regular season games in Munich and eventually Frankfurt Germany now we already have had games in Mexico City and in London I mean do what are your thoughts on this? This is just such a weird, uh, you know, I don't know. Why why Germany, of all places? Like, why not Sydney, Australia, or Canada, like in Toronto? I It's just something it's hard for me to wrap my head around.
2: Uh, so, I, I think it's just a way for them to build a game. I think eventually what they'll do is have a European league. I don't think there uh, will ever be a thing where you'll see uh NFL team where they'll have a home-based NFL team and you'll see NFL teams going over there constantly, you know, eight, nine games uh, a year. But I, I think eventually it'll be pushed to that. They'll have, I mean, no different than what, what NFL Europe like they had. I think eventually they'll push back to that. So, I mean, it's just them trying to build a brand out there. So, I mean, it's, You know, it's kind of no different than baseball playing in Japan at the beginning of the year. And uh, or I think they played in Australia as well. Right. I I think it's kind of cool. I mean, sucks for the players. I'll tell you that. Yeah,
1: it does wear on them, especially for the traveling and everything.
2: So but I'm not I'm not against things like that. So it's just uh, it's another way to the to build the game. I mean, just think about it with how popular uh american football is it's nothing really in any other country so it, it, it's understandable i mean one thing that the nfl is going to do is milk every dolly they can out of everybody that they possibly can
1: i do now i do agree with that and i remember you know and of course you remember when they had nfl europe you know mm. you had the amsterdam admirals and You had uh, the Claymore. She had a bunch of those teams out there. And a lot of times it was more so for football development, uh, player development, as opposed to just its own separate league. Um, But then eventually they kind of phased that out. And now they're working to have, you know, you have all these other football leagues. You have the CFL, you have NFL, uh, you had the USFL. You might have the the XFL coming back. I mean, Love football. Uh, if you love American football, then you're set.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to those secondary leagues, I mean, there's never been one that's been long term. I mean, other than Canadian Football League, and that's because the Canadians support their own up there, and it's a little bit different. The, the rules are a little bit different. Um, so it's just the, the the I I don't mind it. I I watched a couple of the SFL games. It's one of those things where you you know. Who who doesn't enjoy football? Um, but it's really on the presentation that these other secondary leagues offer their viewers. Uh, can it can it be sustainable? Can we see one that lasts ten years? I think the most successful one was Indoor Football League for the longest time. Right. Uh, that kind of closed up. So it's just I mean, it, seeing these other leagues, especially now that you have, you're going to have USFL and XFL coming back. Now you're talking about two secondary leagues in America uh, buying for the same eyeballs. It's going to be a little tough for all of them to make it, let alone just another one.
1: Yeah, I I do agree. I mean, I, especially considering the Battlehawks were, and I'm taking this to my grave because it's 100% fact the Battlehawks were the most popular XFL team in the league. That dome was sold out like anything. The only seats that weren't seated with fans were the ones that weren't even had tickets for sale. And damn it, if it weren't for the pandemic and everything, I'm telling you, when they had the Vipers from Los Angeles come into town, they were going to open up the rest of the seats. We were going to have 60,000 people watching an XFL game here. I mean, just being there for the two home games that I was at, I mean, good heavens. The fans were just electric. It felt like an old Rams playoff game from 1999. The city came together and, like, it was just unbelievable. And that's why I want the XFL to come back, because it means so much to St. Louis, more so than it's just being a sport. Because when the Rams left, it wasn't just, oh, we lost a football team. No, it was hearts being ripped out of the city. You know, like, I know St. Louis isn't exactly everyone's paradise, but damn it, it's my hometown. <laughs> yeah, it not might. my birth town, but that's my hometown. So, Adam, before I let you go, uh, be sure to plug all your social medias for us. Let us know more about Talking Dynasty so uh, we, can, we can tune
2: in. Uh well you can follow me, at Adam Frex, pretty much on anything from Instagram, Twitter, uh, put that in Facebook. Uh, same thing with Talking Dynasty at Talking Dynasty on anything. Uh, as we kind of roll into the summer and the NFL starts closing up, we'll open up more sports talk because, I mean, the NFL will always be the, the, uh, the forerunner on kind of what we talk about, but everything's available so be sure to check it out
1: all right ladies and gentlemen adam frex of talking dynasty thank you so much for being on the show this evening i appreciate it my friend appreciate it brother all right man have a good night you do the same thank you so ladies and gentlemen that was adam frex of talking dynasty be sure to follow him and talking dynasty on social media and also be sure to follow us on social media as well. Interstate 70 sports media has a Twitter at I 70 sports media. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find us for roundabout sports as well on Facebook. We're working on expanding that. And of course my personal is J at J carp sports fan one. And if you want to be a guest on the show or have any interest, just shoot us a message. Let us know. We'd love to have you on, you know, this is not I want to emphasize this show is for the fans. Yes, it's great having, you know, big time guests on. But at the same time, we want to be able here at I-70 Sports. It's about entertaining those who feel like they get left out from other companies, from other publications, you know, to make them feel like, oh, well, just because we don't have these degrees or accolades, that doesn't mean you should get left out. I-70 Sports Media is not just a company. It's a family. And that's what it's all about for me. It's about family. Family's first in my life, whether it be personal life or business life. With that said, we are going to keep the show rolling. And the debut episode of Roundabout Sports continues. Now, our next guest, let me give you a little background on him. He's been on the Jeremy Carp Show in the past and many years ago. And over the years, I've had the great pleasure of calling him a friend and he has been an umpire for nearly 30 years in professional baseball 30 years i mean really think about that i don't i think i would have gotten fed up doing it just for a week let alone for 30 years i mean holy shit that said there is a lot to talk about in the world of baseball and he's just the guy to talk to about it so ladies and gentlemen it is my pleasure to introduce to roundabout sports this evening The one, the only, James Knox. James, how's it going, Uh, buddy?
0: It's going well. I appreciate the introduction there, Jeremy. It's good to see you. Oh, it is
1: my pleasure. It's good seeing you. It's been a few years as far as uh, seeing you goes, but it's great seeing you nonetheless. Yep. Let's also put it out there, folks. He's also pretty damn good at meteorology. I mean, shoot, anybody (laughs) at this rate can predict storms. So I see his, his storm predictions on social media all the time, and for the most part, he's pretty spot on.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I guess, what, well, weather and baseball go hand in hand, right?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if one happens the wrong way, the other one doesn't
0: happen at all. Well, unfortunately, uh, the way we're going, one may not happen at all anyway.
1: I was just about to transition to that, actually. So speaking of things that are not happening at all, Major League Baseball, the strike rolls on, unfortunately. now tomorrow. Everyone's favorite commissioner, Rob Manfred, is going to be making a having a media conference. So he's actually going to be at the podium speaking to the media. This is going to go one of two ways. This is going to go either really well or really bad. And I'm leaning towards the really bad because if it's anything but one of two things, I am stepping down as commissioner of Major League Baseball or we have reached an agreement to begin the season. It's bad. What do you yeah, think? James? And
0: I think it, I think it's going to be the latter. I think he's going to announce that the majority of major league baseball spring training is being delayed. I, I really think that's where he's going. Um, from what I've read and what I've seen, uh, he is to meet with the media tomorrow, but he's not, he has no meeting scheduled with the union or the owners. So um, unfortunately it, manfred strikes again
1: yeah now you have had plenty of viewpoints in the past about rob manfred and i'm gonna say it myself before um because i definitely want to get your thoughts on them you know this is obviously we're not here to just slander every single person we don't like but i'm just gonna say it you as a commissioner you have an a role a very integral role you know look at guys like adam silver Um, You know, Gary Bettman, Roger Goodell, all of them have had controversy surrounding them in some way. Over the years, though, Silver's reputation and Bettman's have actually gotten better. Goodell, I just call him a puppet for the owners. That's how I always call him. He's just a puppet for the owners, which is why he's never going to go anywhere. He's going to be there like the Pope, probably until the day he dies. He's going to be the commissioner of the NFL. But Rob Manfred was supposed to bring about change to Major League Baseball. He when he came in when he took over for Bud Selig, a lot of people were excited. He was a younger guy, he was more ready. He like people thought, "Okay, it's a new perspective. He was a lawyer. Here's a guy that can actually sit down, be stern and say, "Hey, baseball needs to improve." Right. When's that Rob Manfred showing up? Because he's been commissioner for quite a few years now, and honestly, you know, all these little failed experiments he's doing all these little trials and errors, which more so are errors. Honestly, James, Rob Manfred gets like two thumbs down for me as far as being a commissioner goes.
0: I agree. And, and you know that I'm not a fan of him. I, I, I don't care for the ghost runner on second base. I, I the seven inning double headers. I mean, it kind of is what it is. I mean, that all came about because of the pandemic and, and that's, a, you know, that's understandable, but you know i mean the stuff he's tinkered with in the minor leagues i mean you're moving the pitching rubber back a foot you're you're making bases bigger um all of this stuff here if there's any change if it's positive it's minuscule um you know he i see him as a soft commissioner um that he's not willing to make that 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 big stance i mean yeah he forced them to play a 60 game season in 2020 but he had his relationship with baseball as the commissioner to me is fractured so and and there's other changes that are coming down the pike that i'm really unhappy about and i know we'll get to that in a second but i think as a commissioner especially looking at a labor issue like this is his legacy and if you go all the way back and i don't know how much of this you remember He was part of the strike in 94, too. He was a mouthpiece for MLB. So he's been a part of two of the biggest work stoppages in America's pastime.
1: I was going to say, yeah, in professional sports in general. And I mean, the ramifications of the 94 strike can never be. And should never be forgotten. I mean, and let's be honest here for just one second. The 94 strike is the reason, the primary reason, we do not have a baseball team in Montreal. Because financially, it ruined the franchise. And they just could not recover. You know, they were well in first place. They were World Series favorites. And then, you know, just things they could not make make ends meet, things just crumbled from there. So that's the primary reason was because the after effects of the 94 strike. Well, and, the, the
0: funny thing is, Jeremy, the funny thing is about that team, look at the talent that team had. Marquise Grissom, Larry Walker, Pedro Martinez, Gary Carter was there, Tim Wallach was, I mean, this team was loaded. And in, what, a matter of four months, the team yeah. was not even in Montreal anymore.
1: Right, and I mean, you just look about it. And the Montreal Expos, when the season ended, the Montreal Expos in 1994 were 74 and 40. 74 and 40. Like, that was just, they went 46 and 18 from June onward. And yeah, they were just well ahead of everything there were 6 above the Atlanta Braves in the division and they were well above the Cincinnati Reds as far as all the division leaders go i mean there was just no stopping them right until the strike came in and now here we are flash forward to 2022 but this has been an issue that's started long before 2022 this was something that's been going in the kind of those underground rumblings for a while that like, Oh, is there going to be a strike? Is the game going to stop? I mean, we already had the delays because of the pandemic two years ago. Then, you know, if I have a full season, but now we're at another work stoppage and it's turning into almost a yellow journalism battle because you have the point of view of the players association. And then you had the point of view of, the commissioner and major league baseball, if you will. And they're both trying to say whose side's right, whose side's wrong, you know, and it's all about hearsay. He said, she said type thing.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking just, just in general because it's hard for me to believe that, I mean, not only not even a full two years, you know, out of that 2020 season and that pandemic that owners and players are willing to lose games and lose money. And I think a lot of us, I'm not one of them. I'm a hardcore baseball fan for obvious reasons. And, and you're not going to lose me as a fan, oh, yeah. but the, these casual fans realized there are other things I can spend my money on. You know, I don't need to go to a ballpark. I don't need to go watch a game. I don't need to get the MLB extra innings package or whatnot. I, there are other things I can spend my money on. And I mean, as far as I look at it, whether it's the players, whether it's Banford, whether it's the the owners of Major League Baseball, I mean, it's kind of a big middle finger to us fans, especially those who are hardworking that. Look, you, I, I was obviously watching this show. Super Bowl Sunday is Sunday. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report Monday. You know, when you get out of football season, us hardcore sports fans that go year round, you know, with the four major sports like for me. That, that, that's baseball season. You know, once once the Cardinals get to Jupiter, it's baseball season. And, and that's not to take anything away from the Blues or March Madness, but that's the sport that takes you all the way through until the NFL starts again. And looking at it now, I'm not sure that, I mean, obviously spring training is going to be delayed. I'm not sure we see a pitch thrown in a major league baseball regular season before May 1st.
1: That's very possible. Um, and I want to get, I didn't want to put it up there while you were still talking. Cause obviously the comments long enough, it would cut you, cut your face off on it. But here's Adam's post. Adam was just on the show, but this is Adam's opinion on what's going on in baseball. He says the baseball rules didn't need to change. The player's approach to the game did. The game was so much more entertaining when the ball was in play more. And now it's either a strikeout or a home run, basically.
0: Uh, uh, thank the the you so much, Adam. Outcomes. I, yeah, I the, love the, that. The, 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 a very very intelligent comment. I mean, you're, that that's right. It's the three major outcomes: walk, strikeout, or home run. And uh, I mean, there's nothing to me more exciting than a bases clearing double, or oh, I love that. You know, I you know, listening to Sports Talk Radio earlier, they were talking about okay, so a ground ball through the wickets of a pitcher. Used to be a base hit up the middle. Now it's a ground out to the second baseman and, you know, yeah. Okay. So you can outlaw the shift. It's, it's virtually impossible to do that. I mean, this isn't men's slow pitch softball where everybody has to play in the grass. Uh, But I mean, you look at it from a standpoint where, you know, okay, well, it's easy for us to sit here and say, hit the ball the other way, beat the shift, you know, because you're not getting 95 thrown in on your hands. Uh, But I think what we're looking at now, and you're right, we saw this coming down the pike back in 2020. There was a lot of reason that some of these big superstar uh, baseball players didn't sign long-term contracts because they didn't know what was going to happen after the 2021 season.
1: Yeah. Now we're just in this flux to where, and honestly, as we've gone on, I'm, I'm honestly starting to agree with you on the sense of what Manfred's going to announce tomorrow in his conference and that the, the start of spring training is going to be delayed. And, you know, because with every passing day, more and more things that were supposed to happen already have not happened yet. Right. And, you know, the owners, this is my point of view on this. The owners can say all they want about how badly it's affecting them. Sure, they may not be getting the money they would usually get because nothing's happening right now. But if anything, it's affecting the players most of all. The players are the ones who aren't reporting and getting their workouts in. The players are the ones who aren't doing the drills, meeting up with their managers and all the coaches, getting the instructor and the instructors and everything. It's the players who are truly suffering, in my opinion, because of any work stoppage more so than anyone else and when the season starts whenever it may start if it starts honestly sometimes we're kind of wondering will there be a baseball season this year we don't know you know because every single time that major league baseball and the players association meet there is no no like kind of like here's the bar it's not getting any further this way or any further. That. It's just stuck in the middle. It's just, you know, it's basically trying to climb the Great Wall of China with suction cups on your hands. Like it Boy, doesn't that, go anywhere.
0: You're not kidding. And, and I think the one thing we have to differentiate is this is a this is a major league lockout. So minor league players can still report, but those are for only players that aren't on the 40 man roster. But here's the thing, whether it's a minor league or a major league lockout, nobody's getting paid and these minor league players that you know depend on minor league camps and minor league games to to make a living it's it's not going to be there so you know i it's tough i think that obviously you know from what i've heard and from what i understand is these players believe that they need at least 3 weeks of spring training before they can have a season this goes back to that summer camp brought to you by camping world uh right. <laughs> that we had in the pandemic season um and in, in in three three weeks you were ready to go, but we also saw pitchers who had suffered a lot of arm injuries and everything that season as well. So I'm not sure I'm not sure where the where where the win is here. I mean, there's a reason why there's six weeks of spring training, and there's a reason why you have two weeks of spring training before games even begin. So I, I honestly don't know where we go, um, but you know it's players it's it's a it's umpires it's vendors it's it's everybody and so i i don't i'm not sure where we go
1: i'm not sure either we're just going to have to stay tuned and find out and obviously here we're going to be keeping close tabs on it now speaking of umpires there are two things i mean there's multiple things but two things i want to talk about as far as umpires and the professional first off what got you into being an umpire
0: well when i started with 27 years ago now i really started as a summer job um i was still in high school and uh, of course i i played the game when i was in high school and and uh played the game when i was in college and it was just really a way for me to to stay involved in the game um there wasn't a <laughs> there wasn't a living out there for anybody who you know could throw a knuckleball that could get hit 415 feet so um for me it was For me, it was really just, uh, you know, staying in the game and and the love of the game and and really being able to, you know, there's a camaraderie there with, uh, you know, umpire colleagues and and players and stuff, whether, you know, whatever level that, you know, kind of drives you to keep going. It's that competitive juice that you still got to figure out a way to figure out a a, a kind of a fix to be to be competitive. And and that's that's kind of what does it.
1: Awesome. And like I said, you've been doing this for 27 years. I had said it before I introduced you. I couldn't even imagine doing it for just a week, let alone that long. So what keeps you going? What keeps you going doing it? I mean, you know, obviously you must love it if you've done it this long, but.
0: At the at the level, like at the levels, it's the kids, it's always the kids, it's always the players. and And even, you know, when it's, you know, you get to the upper levels and stuff like that, it, it's it's having that it's it's you'll hear a lot of ex-athletes say that they don't miss the practice. They don't miss the training. They miss being in the locker room. And that's boy, there's a lot of stories that I can't tell here that go on inside that locker room. So, you know, that's, that's the other part is it's just, you, you, you know, it's kind of, you become a family.
1: I can kind of say the same thing about high school football. There are some stories uh, that even if I said on here, I mean, shoot, we were in high school.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah.
1: The the pranks and everything. Um,
0: no, so that's why I always say I'm, I'm glad there wasn't social media or Facebook or anything when I was in high school or phones that had cameras. That's all I'll say.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can totally understand that one. Um, so speaking of umpires, okay, first off, it was announced earlier that Joe West, good old country Joe, at 69 years old, is finally, and believe me, and to emphasize for a lot of people that don't like him, finally. Is retiring now. He is the all time leader in games umpired, and he has umpired over 5,000 games. I mean, Gosh. in May on May 25th, 2021, he broke Bill Clem's record by umping his 5,376th game, and he's worked several no hitters. Felix Hernandez is perfect game in six World Series. He's going into the Hall of Fame, and people may not realize it. Controversy aside, he's going in the Hall of Fame. I mean, umpires do get there too, folks, just letting you know. And deservedly so. To me, an umpire is a thankless job. It's fun. It's honestly, it is kind of fun to bitch at him. There is limits. Like, (laughs) threatening to kill Don Deckinger is not, you know, cool on any basis. You know, never do that type of stuff. But, you know, yelling at the ump on the TV, like, come on, what kind of call was that? That's the type of stuff that's, you know, it's more fun. But I was wanting to ask you from, you know, one veteran umpire's perspective, you know, watching Joe West over the years, what are your thoughts on his career?
0: So this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Um, I'm actually a fan of Joe West. Um, I think part of it is because they're, whether you like him or you don't, there's a mystique around him. Uh, he does have that aura, especially when it comes to rookies. Uh, I've seen games where rookies, have, rookie pitchers have come in and thrown pitches right down the middle. And he's <laughs> he, he's emphatically called it a ball. Um, but I mean, I, I, I put in this again will be another unpopular opinion. I kind of put Joe West in the same um, same breath as a guy like Jim Joyce um who has been around the game for a long time and has really perfected his craft i think there are officials out there and uh i obviously they go without being named that you know maybe aren't as good or draw a little bit more of the ire from fans but i i always liked joe west um you know he jerry davis was another one that you know I, i'm a really big fan of and uh so i mean you know it, what really puts it in perspective for me is man his offici- his his umpiring career started before i was born um started in 1977 i believe and you know there has to be a love of the game obviously you're traveling you're you're away from your family um but for you you could always tell that even though he drew the ire of of fans and players and managers like you could tell that he enjoyed himself and you know i I've, I've always said this to umpires that you know, have gotten in and that I've trained or I've helped like the players can tell whether or not you're having fun. And if you're not having fun, then you you don't need to be out there, but you could always tell that whether, whether you liked it or not, or the starting pitcher like that or not, j- j- that uh, that cowboy Joe was having a good time.
1: Yeah. And I'm not gonna, I was watching some Bobby Cox ejection videos. I, I love seeing the manager like tirades off umpires. And it was because of Joe West retirement, because One of his more famous ones was against or when Bobby Cox was managing and he's just getting right in his face and Joe West is just just soaking it in. And it's like, "Okay, you're done. Good. Your ass is out. And I'm just I'm done that. See, that type of stuff cracked me up. And, you know, it's like you said, you know, for you. Loving it for doing it so long. And yeah, like I said, his first game was 1976. So, in September 76, basically. So, you're right on the ball on that. And then his last game was in October of 2021. That is a long time. A long time to be dedicated to the sport. Um, and especially when you draw the ire of so many people. And so many teams and so many owners. Like, it is definitely... As an umpire, much like an official like a referee in the NFL, you develop a reputation as your career goes on. And that's definitely something he's done. Um, right. but that said, like I said, he's a legend of the game. I have no shame in saying it. And like I said, as far as umpires go, he should be in the hall of fame. I mean, the I've always feel like if you're the record holder of it. Why shouldn't you be in the Hall of Fame? Right. And, you know, if you had the record for most games umpired, I mean, for goodness sakes, like, he he was there for Nolan Ryan's perfect game, Willie McCovey's 500th home run. He got into a pushing matchup with Joe Torre, which was fun to watch. Um, So, but with him retiring, you know, and I doubt it's because he's retiring, but it's just funny how it's happening at the same time, James. Robot umpires. Okay, so for those that are new to this topic... I mean, shit, you, you got robotic dogs, so why not have robotic umpires? I mean, they both basically crap in the same spot. Um, No. So, for 2022... The robot umpires at home plate are moving up to the AAA level in minor leagues. And... I want to know, like, first off, why? That, that's the first thing, is why. Um, because here, here's a quote from uh, Chris Marinak, from the MLB Chief Operations and Strategic Officer. It's hard to handicap if, when, or how it might be employed at the mi- Major League level, because it is a pretty substantial difference from the way the game is is called today. Um, obviously that having robot umpires would be a lot different than, um, real umpires. What do you, what do you, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh, I don't like this topic at all. (laughs) Um, Gee,
1: I could only imagine why.
0: So I don't, I don't understand the change. I, I, God, I, I wish I could tell you that they, they feel that robot umpires will give them a more accurate strike zone um i think we've seen in the arizona fall league that's not the case as justin hayward uh who is uh jason hayward's younger brother who struck out on a curveball that actually bounced um that apparently the curveball uh hit the bottom of the or caught the bottom of the strike zone before it bounced and the robot umpire called him to strike justin hayward then turned around to argue with the human that was there and got ejected so I don't understand I, I it can't be about cost because you're still going to need an umpire at home plate to call out, say, fair foul. Um, and I, I've got so many issues with this. I mean, if it's a robot, can it be hacked? I mean,
1: oh, gosh, I, I just thought I mean, that. Oh. you know,
0: we worry about betting on with sports betting and stuff now. I mean, is this you're opening Pandora's box? I, I don't I mean, this isn't like the Jetsons. Like, I don't have, you know, I mean, yeah, I've got a Roomba that'll vacuum my floor, but I don't think my Roomba can call balls and strikes. And I, I'm i guessing that, that that that's the issue here is that they want a, a more accurate strike zone. But, I mean, the, you talked about Joe Torrey and, and Bobby Cox getting ejected from games, be, you know, from Joe West. Well, you're going to put a robot umpire in there and you're going to lose that aspect of the game.
1: Yeah. And I, it's definitely an entertaining aspect. I mean, you don't see as much fiery tempered managers as you used to when you and I were growing up. I mean, you know, you don't see the guys taking the bases, throwing them, catapulting them, big grenade launching, sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. Oh my God. I love Lupino. I God, yeah, love them. Um, and you know, those characters, you don't see those types of characters. But there's still something about having actual umpires, you know, and it it goes more so than just because it's jobs, you know, I mean, go to a a freaking Walmart stores are already taking jobs away by having all those self checkouts, like the entire sections. So it's, it's almost. And like you said, you still got to have one's calling safer out. You're still going to have need more than one umpire what are you going to do for the one at second base? You're just going to have a robot just standing out in the middle of it and then have like Tommy Edmund awkwardly look at it for the car. No, like there's so many flaws with this.
0: Well, the the other problem you've come down to too, is you're talking about programming these things. Well, this isn't a one size fits all strike zone. I mean, Tommy Edmund and Paul Goldschmidt are not the same height. um, You know, and so what are you going to do? have a, a laser or a, some kind of beam that goes across there that the a sensor that the computer picks up on? I, I just, you know, and then are you going to have to have somebody up up in the up in the booth that man's a little buzzer or something that if, I mean, there's just too many. There's too many issues with this. This is God. this is Manfred with too much of a hands on approach. And I know this is coming down the pike before he took over as commissioner, but I mean. I just, you're going to add this to his legacy on top of the fact that he called the World Series trophy a piece of metal. I mean, this guy, I just, I don't, I know they had issues with it in the Arizona Fall League. I guess the Atlantic League, it was so-so. So, So if you haven't had glowing reports and glowing, you know, just, I, I don't know why you're going to move this to AAA. Because if you think that that impacted the game down there, AAA moves much faster than independent league ball in Arizona Fall League does.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned Manfred Kahn, the World Series trophy, you know, a piece of metal, which to me is one of the most disgraceful things you can do. Because, okay, I'm going to be honest. To me, the Stanley Cup is the most prestigious trophy in all of sports.
0: I was going to ask, would that be like Gary Bettman dropping the Stanley Cup?
1: Right, exactly. That's like him dropping it. Or, you know, just um, Roger Goodell just tossing aside the Lombardi trophy. You know, the World Series trophy has over 100 years of history to it. And, you know, you basically spit on it and everybody who's been associated with it when you just call it a piece of metal because players bust their ass year in and year out just to win that piece of metal. I mean, just like in hockey, they work to win the cup, you know, and I think that's another thing. Rob Manfred, to me, is not a baseball lover. He's a businessman that just happens to be the head of baseball. That's right. how I look I at agree. it. He, and that is one thing that I will give guys like Adam Silver credit on. He loves basketball. Gary Bettman, he loves hockey. His issue was when he was trying to take away all the Canadian markets and giving them all to American cities. That was when his bit, one of his biggest issues. And of course, there was the 0405 lockout as well. But like I said, his reputation is really starting to improve over the past couple of years. Well, I was uh, going to say
0: he's grown the game. And I mean, you're, I mean, look at the winter classic and the stadium series games. Now, I mean, look at the all-star game. You may not be a fan of the NHL all-star game, but the skills comp in Vegas, that was what a spectacle that was. Oh, yeah. uh, and back to the, and now the Canadian markets are asking him if we can come play and come play in America uh, because of the restrictions. But nonetheless, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, what's going to happen and and everybody sees Roger Goodell as as the devil especially in St. Louis as I'm sitting here wearing a as as I'm sitting here wearing a Rams city um you know Manfred is going to get on that same level as being a commissioner who's who's universally hated and the more this lockout drags on whether it's 100% his fault or not that's going to be the perception and and you know as well as I do that optics and perception in sport is is 100% the truth
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I had actually just put it in the comment section. So I would love for all you who are tuning in to be sure to give us your reply on what do you think about Rob Manfred's job as commissioner? And I know James's opinion on it. I definitely know my opinion on it. Um, a lot of people do have that same thing. And honestly, you know, look, I I kind of get this thing where, He wants to shorten the game of baseball. Not everybody would enjoy a game that's going to like a four hour length or going to like 15, 16 innings. I do get that, but you know, you had mentioned it early on in the interview starting a ghost runner on second. Are you kidding me? That is not how you end it. Like there's already enough overtime rule issues in the NFL. We don't need MLB to have their own. Like there's it's 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 simple. In fact, an MLB, it's actually probably one of the best ways it is because you get the same chance. Look, one team, the, the usual team starts the top of the ninth. Great. Or I'm sorry, top of the 10th. If it goes to extras. Perfect. They score any runs. You just got to match or beat that in the bottom half. Right. Like that is literally the perfect formula for any type of sudden death. Why change that?
0: Well, I'm a traditionalist anyway. And, and this, this growth, this just comes with the fact in the age that I grew up in when it came to major league baseball, if I'm paying my hard-earned money to go to a ball game, I don't necessarily want it sped up. Um, you know, if, if I know what I'm getting into when I buy my ticket for 50, 60, $70, whatever it may be, I know that I'm getting at least nine innings in this game and if I wanted something sped up, then, you know, I would go to a game that that has a clock, a pitch clock is, is something completely different. That's something else. But that's another story right. for another day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, there's no reason the, the old saying fits here. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And I understand. I, I get it. I, and while I may be a traditionalist, I'm not I'm not an idiot for the lack of, you know, for the lack of any canter here. Know I get it. The the younger the younger generation, what we refer to us old fogies refer to as the short (laughs) attention span theater. Um, they want it quick, they want it now, and they want it without any hassle or any questions. And I get trying to speed the game up. If that's the case, you know, especially with with advertising, we've seen it with other sports, whether it's the NFL, whether it's college basketball, do the in-game ads, you know, where it helps speed up the commercial breaks, you know, in between innings. But you know, it it all comes down to it all comes down to money and they know that the younger generation is not going to spend money on something that's going to last three, three and a half, four hours. And so it's like, OK, so let's get the game going. Let's get the game over. And if we do have a tie, let's finish it in a in a brief setting without, you know, going in. I always enjoyed 18, 19, 20 in games. I thought there was more. Right. Um, more excitement there especially in the postseason and not that that rule has been talked about going into the postseason but I got a feeling if Manfred's going to keep making changes it will start affecting the postseason as well
1: I feel that the for example when the Red Sox and the Dodgers went to 18 innings in the World Series a couple years ago that was one of my and mind you this has come from a guy whose favorite World Series game is game six of 2011. I mean, right. as far as ones that I've personally seen in my lifetime, that's probably my favorite for, Same you know, here. just a few biased reasons. Um, But aside from that, like the 18 inning game was absolutely phenomenal. I did not care that I was up to about one o'clock in the morning, central time, watching that game. And mind you, if that was in the East Coast, I would have been up even later. Like, So for that game to go that long, and it was a postseason spectacle. It was a thrill, you know. I get it. Some people may get bored of one, two, three innings. You know, that's fine. But the the format, I'm gonna, I stand by it. The format for the postseason now, and you know, you say you're a traditionalist. I'm a traditionalist with baseball, mainly because. My dad's a traditionalist. He's a great example. Somebody I grew up, you know, watching baseball with. Right. You know, and he's been watch. He's been going to baseball games since Sportsman's Park was around. So you know, he's seen the evolution of some of the rules. It used to be, for example, it used to be whoever just finished in the top two, one in each pen in the a- AL and the NL. There's your right. World Series matchup. You know, you didn't have all these playoff series. Well, now you we- got the.
0: I was going to say, when we talked about Montreal back in 94, there were only two divisions in each league. I mean, you had the East and the West, and they played each other in the respective league championship series. And then you went right to the fall classic. I mean, there was no wild card. Exactly. The Central
1: wasn't there yet.
0: Nope. You're right.
1: No, you're exactly right. And so, and then look what happens. You know, then they add the wild card. Then they got the sudden death. You know, one game, you know, you go on, the other, you go home. And you got the division, the championship, then you got the World Series. I mean, MLB has milked the playoffs for what they're worth. And I'm not even going to knock them on it because, hell, that's more baseball.
0: And it's going to expand even more.
1: I can totally see it expanding more. I just feel that if Manfred starts damaging the game more, more so like he already is, people are not going to want to tune in like they have. I've seen... Plenty of comments, plenty of um, podcasts and shows where other baseball fans are just infuriated with what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. And I, for one, can't blame them. I mean, Manfred has come in. And don't get me wrong, we're not pra- over here praising every commissioner that's ever existed because each one of them had screwed up in their own way. Um, and, you know but there's just Rob Manfred. Like I said, the biggest thing is he's doing this as a businessman, not a baseball fan. And when you do it like that, you hurt the game because you don't know how to connect with it. And Rob Manfred does not know how to connect with the game. He doesn't know how to connect with the fans. And honestly, until he figures that out, I don't see the baseball season starting because that's where it all comes back to because he doesn't see it from the player's point of view. He's hearing the ears of the owners and all the guys that are all the big, rich billionaires and millionaires that are going into his ears. You know, you're not hearing Arenado's point of view or Francisco Lindor's or, you know, Carlos Correa's. You're not hearing their point of views in Manfred's eyes. You're hearing, you know, what the DeWitts have to say, you know, or what any of the other owners have to say for the Red Sox or the Steinbrenners, like any of that.
0: And I I don't think we can put it all on the all on the owners. Obviously, there's got to be concessions that both sides makes. But I mean, if you're. If you've got a business and the business is profitable and and Major League Baseball is, I think it was a nine billion dollars or something like that last year the year before you know, and you've got a business that's profitable and I, and I understand that you want players to hit free agency sooner and the owners are going to push back against that because they don't want to have to pay the high contracts or they don't want to lose star players. You know, they're going to be tweaks, you know, the, you're probably going to see the designated hitter in the, in the national league, which is fine. You know, whatever. Um, I think as a fan and obviously somebody who is just the game has always been kind of my life, whether it's baseball, whether it's any game that's played on a diamond has is, is kind of been my life as a fan. I just want baseball. I want positive news. I, I know what's coming down the pike tomorrow. I know it's going to be a delay of, of spring training. And, you know, you, if I'm major league baseball, I want to steal the headlines from the NFL right now. I want to steal the headlines from the NBA trade deadline right now and all star weekend that's coming up. I want wow. to steal those headlines. This is. N- this is not good PR any PR is not good PR. And, and this is not the the headline stealing that, that I want. And unfortunately I, I think probably in the next 15, 16 hours, that's what we're going to get is that we're going to see a postponement. And then it's going to roll. It's going to roll downhill. If you will, if spring training is postponed or pushed back, then obviously the regular season will be as well.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Well, James, It has been an absolute pleasure having you on this evening. Thank you so much.
0: Hey, anytime, Jeremy, uh, good luck with the new podcast. It's good to see you, man, and good to talk to you, and, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, this was James Knox here on Roundabout Sports. Have a good night, my friend.
0: You as well. Thanks.
1: Thank you. The wonderful guy, absolutely. And, folks, it is about that time for us. Um, first thing I want to say is thank you so much for tuning in on the debut episode. It means so much to me and to everybody who's worked alongside me. I want to give a big shout out to Renee, the night owl from the wrestle talk podcast. Who's helped me so much with stream stream yard. I should say, um, as well as, uh, John hardcore hoss. I also want to thank Luke Skywalker Roberts, who honestly, I owe so much of my career to. He is a dear friend of mine, and I'm so thankful to have him in my life. And this show wouldn't be where it is without him. I-70 Sports wouldn't be where it is without him. And I'm just so grateful. I also want to put this at the bottom. On the bottom ticker of the screen, you will see that uh, the National Suicide Hotline is there. This is something I do at the end of every show. When I'm with Wrestle Talk, um, I want to let you all know the number is 1 800 273 8255. I put this up here because it's my way of letting you know, you the listeners, that you're never alone. I, I struggle daily with depression and anxiety and other mental illnesses. And I'm not going to lie, it is a pain in the ass. But each day I persevere and it doesn't make me better than anybody else, but I'm just blessed that I'm with who I'm with family. I got amazing family, friends, a support group. And like I said, I'm going to keep this up here throughout the remainder of the show, that hotline right below you. 1-800-273-8255. It's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, twice on Sundays. Um, As far as the future of this show, you already know we're going to be back. Interstate 70 Sports Media isn't stopping anytime soon, so why the hell would Roundabout Sports? I am excited for where we're going from here. I greatly appreciate everybody who's tuned in on this very first episode. Thank you to Adam Frex and James Knox for tuning in, for actually joining us on the show, not just tuning in afterwards. And we will see you next time. But before I go, I just want you all to know that Life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. This is Jeremy Karp saying goodnight.